0: We will start today with another uh, exciting session with a leader from our region. I'm very happy this time. It's not just any leader, it's a woman that is leader in her, not just own space, but really inspiring other women to create, to lead and to have a say and change things the way they are. But uh, before we start, My name is uh, Rudy Shushani. I'm a digital transformation strategist and the host and moderator of DX Talks for the ones who doesn't know me. Don't forget to join our WhatsApp group and our uh, email newsletter. So without further ado, uh, let me welcome uh, you, sir. Thank you, Rudy. (laughs) How are you doing first? How was your week?
1: It does. It's still Monday, but it still it feels <laughs> like the whole week is here. <laughs> it was a very busy Monday.
0: Mondays uh, are usually, as you said, uh, the, the busy days. Uh, I hope it was a start, good start for the week because uh, we know sometimes Monday d- decides the rest of the week. So, uh,
1: yeah. It was a good day.
0: Uh, yeah. Sir, if you don't mind introducing yourself uh, the way you like to do it to our audience, and then we'll take it from there.
1: Sure. Um, So my name is Yusr Sabrio. I am 37 years old. I'm an electrical engineer. I started off my career in facility management and operations and maintenance. And in 2014, I set up my first company called Tikani. It does facility management services. It's a boutique uh, firm. Uh, We do small scale projects. In 2016, under Tikani, we had the idea of creating a concierge service, a B2C. It was supposed to be a B2C concierge service, basically to help individuals run their errands, especially that Beirut um, has a lot of traffic, difficult to Uh, run around during the day. That was the initial concept. Very quickly, it turned into a more of a a B2B service. And today, uh, fast forward to today, we are a logistics service provider focused on SMEs working in e-commerce. We operate in all of Lebanon and we are currently expanding into the region. I'm also the elect president of the Lebanese League for Women in Business. It is um, an NGO that works on uh, everything related to women and marginalized communities uh, in order to um, help reduce the socioeconomic gap, basically.
0: Thank you for that uh, introduction, that lovely introduction. And then this is where I was speaking to you that we needed some positive vibes in those Uh, Times And hopefully, you know, from this session, we can uh, provide that uh, positivity and uh, let people uh, try to really uh, get it more. So let me start by the first question. What is your opinion, the role of digitization in any company and how did it play a big role in Wakilmi?
1: I think digitization is obviously very important, not just to keep up with the trends. It's very important for the business itself, especially when the business uh, has a lot of potential to grow and to scale. It becomes very important then. Businesses, you can have a very good business idea, you can operate really well on a small scale, uh, servicing a certain number of clients with a small team. But once you start proving that your idea can scale, you can be selling more of the, um, you can be selling more, you can be expanding, digitization becomes extremely important. Actually, it becomes essential to the business. Uh, Wakelny is a perfect example for that. When we started off uh, the business in two thousand fourteen, we just had the idea. So we did. I uh, always say that we went. We we did the startup story the other way around. We didn't start with the tech with the with the technology part. We started with a service that we were selling on basically using Excel. We would do the orders that we were delivering. Over an Excel sheet, and we would manually monitor all of the work, all of the aspects of the work. But slowly, when the business started growing, it became extremely difficult to maintain a level of service without actually focusing on the digitization aspect of the work. And it became very clear that we needed to um, shift into another into technology. And actually, the that shift happened when one of our we were approached by a big client. But their condition was that if we were to work with them, they needed a proper system from our end to be operating. And we automatically said, even though we didn't have one back then. We said, okay, we have a system, and um, we used a third-party technology. Then along the way, we built our own technology. But the point is that it is extremely important, especially when you're thinking about um, uh, scale, growth, and when you are servicing bigger clients and more regional clients, basically.
0: Indeed. I think it plays a big role to be on a digital front. And it did play, I think, a big role in transforming uh, Wakilni. And it's going to still play another role because you're expanding in the region also, from what we see and uh, i think uh, digitization is a is a big enabler for you to be able to you know expand uh, in that space and we will talk more about uh, you know uh, funding a little bit maybe uh, later on uh, because there were challenges so what challenges was put on wakilni and how was digital transformation able to really uh, help, especially you know knowing that 2020 was the COVID year and many businesses went online so the rush of uh, delivery e-commerce it's actually boomed and multiplied uh, x-fold so and management of all your fleets employees parcels so I think this is that was kind of uh, maybe a nightmare in the beginning and a blessing in the end uh, do you mind sharing with us those uh, challenges and experiences and
1: sure basically during COVID our volume of work it almost tripled basically in terms of volume and that meant that also our team expanded to more than double its size we were processing a very much larger uh, volume of of orders and what was what became clear was that what used to work then um, was no longer working today and um, we say what got us here will not take us there and we realized that the way that we were doing things was no longer the, the right way. It was actually affecting big time our um, quality of service. Um, we were having a lot of lost packages, delays. It became extremely uh, difficult. And we had to relook at the entire way of doing things. We had to rewrite a lot of our operational procedures. We broke down all the aspects of the work. We identified the different bottlenecks basically, and then We we built task forces that uh, each task force was responsible for solving one of the bottlenecks that we identified. Then we turned these solutions into new operating procedures. And then these operating procedures um, had direct effects on the technology that we're using. So on our platform, on the driver's app, on the accounting uh, system that we use. So all of these, um, the results of how we were solving the issues were translated into new features and into new ways of how we are using our platform, and uh, to, um, that was the only, basically that was that is the only way to really approach um, uh, challenges in 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 the environment in, in the business. We used to have that before, so I'll I'll give you another um, almost equal, equal example. The the second black. Friday. So usually Black Friday is a time of the month in November where major discounts are offered by retailers. And usually that is also the time that we receive a very big number of orders. And we, um, we always used to face the same issue. And today this is the test for us today is what we have learned and the experience that we have learned through COVID and the changes that we have applied to the way we do things and to the upgrades that we did to the technology that we're using. The real test is going to be now because it's almost like a replica uh, within two, within a week's time, a replica of what happened over COVID's uh, uh, period.
0: Uh, indeed, I guess it was uh, you know kind of bombarded in a. In a you were kind of uh, maybe ha- half prepared or prepared, and then uh, the COVID came and things a little bit were went extreme a little bit more.
1: Definitely. So from ve- from various aspects, uh, we also we were forced to. So uh, during COVID, we were lucky enough to have we have a very big team of, uh, I mean, relatively a big team of uh, of employees. Back then it was around 130 people. And it was a nightmare for me to be operating um, under this kind of uh, pressure basically. And we were lucky that for uh, several months we had no cases on the team. But then when we had cases on the team, we also had to really rely on technology because uh, running like a purely technology company from home and not from the premises itself, works in certain cases but when you're running an operation where you have to be physically present near the uh, physical packages you need to be doing sorting etc it was a very challenging mix but we definitely had to use a lot of the um, we relied a lot on the technologies that we use in order to be able to um, have the hybrid model basically of some people on the ground and others operating from home
0: yeah yeah. Uh, another challenge uh, ticked i have a small question from uh, antoine which is Uh, Why are you expanding into other markets? Is uh, the current market uh, big enough or uh, you need the business to grow?
1: I'm going to be very, very frank. (laughs) Prior to the crisis, I'm a very big believer in the Lebanese market. I'm not driven by typical investments. um, I know all businesses are always seeking to grow, grow, grow. For us, Personally, not talking on behalf of my partners or shareholders or investors, I was very happy with the Lebanese market. We actually, last year, before the economic crisis hit, we grew beyond all the targets that we had for several years ahead. And had the uh, economic situation been, had, we been uh, had Lebanon been a healthy country, basically, there is a lot of potential. A business can definitely sustain and sustain well, even without really aggressive expansion into the market. This goes against what's usually like the the very uh, aggressive way of business owners looking at businesses, but that's the reality. However, when the crisis happened and today the economic devaluation that is happening, it is forcing us us for ourselves and for the community that we serve for all the businesses that we work for to actually be opening markets outside of Lebanon. Uh, without losing focus on the Lebanese market. For us, the base will always be the Lebanese market. However, we do need income that is coming from outside in order not only to sustain our business, but in order to, more importantly, sustain the human capital that we have here, basically.
0: Yeah, I think the core business uh, that you are giving is uh, your uh, capital, your human capital. Yes. This is something I see on a personal side, and uh, uh, I really congratulate you on that. Um, so what... Now, everybody is on e-commerce, right? So, yeah. uh, or somehow on an e-commerce in Lebanon or, or in the region, because we know that, uh, you know, uh, cash on delivery is playing a big role. But what's the role of e-commerce after COVID and how are you playing a role in supporting in your clients and also your partners? Because I think you also went into that business. It was part of, you know, natural, natural uh, growth to you possibly.
1: Yes, actually, uh, from the Beginning from back in 2016, I realized that a lot of businesses, small businesses, were starting to sell online. So e-commerce was not yet mature. And there were a lot of um, unorganized, unregistered small shops that were still selling over Facebook. And there was not even Instagram back then. And there was a lot of hesitance, actually, from the bigger brands about the appetite not just in Lebanon, but also in the Middle East region on e-commerce, basically. And I saw that um, a lot from the bigger brands. The the bigger the brand is, the more hesitant they had to actually go online. And I would hear a lot of people saying, who's buying online? And they automatically link buying online to using credit cards to pay like um, online payments in terms of the credit cards. And actually, the two are not the same, obviously. With time, even before COVID, there was a very big um, growth. Actually, the Middle East region and Lebanon is one of them, was one of the fastest growing regions in terms of e-commerce. And COVID came and it tripled uh, the um, the growth uh, rate that uh, we're witnessing. And during COVID, we've, we noticed a lot of... Brands uh, frantically trying to go online. A lot of the hesitant brands now wanted to be selling online, and so even those who maintained their retail, their um, offline stores, basically, or their shops, uh, after COVID, um, they are they today are now convinced and are using. Um, they've built either their uh, their platforms or they're um, selling on marketplaces. But they are now more you see them more convinced in terms of using the online channels or the e-commerce uh, uh, model. And even more recently, after COVID, with the current economic situation, a lot of businesses actually found that it makes more financial sense to not be selling. So they might have closed down their uh, physical stores and just turned into e-commerce. And specifically in Lebanon, also selling online allows you to be selling outside of the country and generating fresh revenue. So that is also another reason. Um, that there is a lot of interest now um, in in e-commerce and we were lucky enough to uh, identify this opportunity from early on and to focus from early on not only on the capable or the large brands that were starting to go online we focused from the beginning on the smaller businesses on the smes we believed in their potential and in the ability for them to grow they are serviced properly and today this is what our client base consists of so you see these two kinds of or um two sizes of clients basically
0: so I think you enable also your customer to have part of your success and grow based on your growth. This uh, is a
1: very big part of actually this is a very big part of um, how we see our role and our position in the community. We actually track this. Uh, a number we're very proud of is that what we uh, so basically we look at clients in terms of the size or the number of orders they are placing we have small clients medium clients and large clients and today 25 percent of our medium-sized clients started out with us as small businesses and we believe that when you enable properly these businesses with the technology with the infrastructure with the service when you serve them the way they want to be serviced that you offer them the opportunity to actually grow because you it's um uh, at the end of the day a delivery service provider in e-commerce is literally a part of the business they are replacing the retail aspect of it instead of someone coming into your store the driver becomes part of your business delivering and becomes part of the customer experience that the business is uh, um is offering
0: yeah uh, great i have a question from alain Trabulsi. Uh, thanks, thanks for the question from a digital transformation point of view What was your journey to a stable operation, customizing off-the-shelf logistics solutions or creating from scratch iteration until finding the right solution?
1: Rudy, can you repeat the first part of the question, Yeah, from a
0: digital perspective uh, point of view, what was the journey to a stable operation?
1: It's a continuous, it's a work in progress, actually. And uh, you listed a lot of the aspects of it. We started off with purely uh, tracking the driver. Actually, before even the tracking, we started off with purely the order management of a system that just at least um, has a, a proper record and proper histories of the different orders that we have, the locations, the details of the different orders, and then slowly that um, uh, that transformed. And I also part of a very important part of the journey was. First off, we started off, as I said, using no platform whatsoever. We used to use Excel. Then we shifted into a platform, a third party solution. It's a known platform called Salesforce. It's usually not used by startups. It's very powerful. We only use, so we paid a small amount of money to customize it in order for us to just do order management on it. And that by itself already was offering more than what other last mile delivery providers were offering. It allowed uh, customers to go in and place their orders and at least track their current status. Is it open? Is it delivered? Is it et cetera? Then we shifted into a local a local company's uh, platform. It was called back then eDress. And Idris was a order management and tracking platform. We were their first clients in Lebanon and we helped them actually build the solution based on our requirements. So we would work with the development team telling them this is the kind of requirement we need because we were very close um, in terms of operations on the ground. So we knew what kind of features we needed to be adding on the system. Then 2018, we realized that actually the technology part of the business is very important. It's actually the bread and butter. All of these features are very important. They're a competitive advantage. And we decided to shift the technology in-house. And that was part of the process. The day that we decided to do that was very valuable for us. And since then, we've actually been working working on different modules. So whether it is the tracking feature, whether it is for the driver's part, the different elements that the, that the driver is able to see in order to support his work on a day-to-day basis, whether it's the platform itself, whether it is the consumer or the customer. When we say consumer, it's for us, it is the, the business that is working with us, whether it is the APIs. And uh, more recently, we've been very much focusing on the process of the order itself. From the moment it is picked up from the, um, from the store to the moment it enters into the warehouse, how it enters, being able to track it, to know at every single minute live, where is it? Is it at inside the warehouse? On what shelf it is located? Is it out of the office? With whom? Where is it? Etc. And it's a learning process. As I said, a part of what we do is on frequent basis, we review what is going wrong with us, uh, where are our bottlenecks, and we build the solutions to the, to the before we sh- we turn into the, to the developers to support us in modifying the technology or adding features. The, the operations team themselves they recommend what kind of changes they need to have, um, uh, what kind of features they need, and then we shift it to the uh, the development team to support.
0: Great. If you can give one or one main, you know, advice uh, about companies or startups or even entrepreneurs to integrate digital transformation in their companies? What will it be?
1: You have to be on the ground. You have to be willing to roll up your sleeves, understand what your operation really needs, and be part of building the solution. Even if you're not doing it, even if it's not your own technology, even if it's not your team, even if you are outsourcing the solution to someone else, you cannot uh, assume that, okay, this is a company that I'm going to outsource this problem to, and then they're going to solve it for me. It doesn't happen this way Um, you have to really understand which parts you are digitizing how you are solving these problems how will the features be working and it's just it's not you only it's also your team your team has to be involved in taking in this new technology because they have to be convinced of it not just to use it but also to be supporting you in improving it. It has to be, it's not a fixed solution. It has to be, as as your business is growing, uh, its requirements and its problems change. so, So the solution has to evolve with it. And since you're not involved in the operations as a business owner from day to day, you need your team to actually be willing to say, this feature is working, or this thing is working, or this thing is not working. And when it's not working, usually if they don't believe in the solution themselves, they're just going to ignore it, and they're just going to—you're going to discover and someday that's some—it's—it's it's not being used, for example. But when they are part of it and they really um, uh, believe in it and they have ownership over it, they help you keep it up to date and keep it basically progressing.
0: Uh, so thank you for that uh, question, uh, or actually answer. And then uh, I'm gonna move to a very good part, which I, I really love. But I like
1: George's question. I'm so- Sorry to inter to interfere. If you'd like us to answer it now or later.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take it in a few minutes. I'm gonna jump to the to the people related uh, question or the social aspect of uh, what's the role of the people in any transformation, especially if it was a digital.
1: Even before the digital part, people are, and you know this about me people are one of the, they are for me the most important pillar because the day that the digital part fails and sometimes it fails especially in Lebanon it's the people that keep it uh, keep the business running basically but they're also very important and as i as i was saying before that um the people really have to believe in the solution itself they have to be part of building it they have to be part of you cannot just expect them to be adopting it and using it if they don't if they're not part of um if they're not part of it coming into the business basically and they have to be part of its improvement and it's um, the, the process of making sure it's always up to date
0: yeah yeah i guess uh, that's very important uh, nader thank you for the comment he says he's proud of uh, what you achieved nader Ghazal. I think uh my professor I think he was a tutor in AUB if I'm yeah yeah and uh, lovely to have you here Nader. i think you've been uh, part with uh, of the Talks for a while now so uh, thank you for that the question from george is in your opinion what is the effect on projected fuel prices on e-commerce in lebanon i think it's going to be fueling e-commerce somehow?
1: It's actually, I don't think it's going, it's actually not that positive, actually. Fuel prices are affecting drastically. They are actually the main driver that is affecting delivery fees now, delivery prices across all last mile delivery providers. The fuel prices actually, and this is based on studies that we have done, uh, fuel prices actually have a bigger effect than the devaluation of the currency on um, uh, delivery prices because one of the main uh, expenses is fuel and it directly also affects the cost of living on uh, employees so it has effects on several places basically and just, you will see in many cases what included delivery prices have drastically jumped we're talking about several multipliers basically and what that means is a lot of businesses can either not afford having delivery services for their businesses or starting to offer pickup services. So instead of a delivery happening, expecting the the customer to come and pick up their uh, their product. So it's definitely very challenging. And I think, however, it is an opportunity for us to be looking again at the model that we use. For us, for example, it um, became inspiring to actually think about how we can be non-fuel dependent, whether in Lebanon or in other places.
0: Yeah, I think it'd have to fuel somewhere new ideas <laughs>
1: of course
0: yeah yeah uh, i'm really sure unfortunately i hope uh, uh you know because we heard about zomato what happened with them uh and then they are exiting the, the lebanese market uh i really you know i we're all supportive here of course but at the end of the day there's this profit to be done and i think this is one of your uh, the clever uh points that you did where you know expanding into the region also to try to support the local uh, industry and the local employees and and uh, the local business. At the end of the day, I think we are living in a very high competitive. <laughs> area but in the same time it's a, it's a it's a it's hard to to overcome every day with new things happening and uh, new challenges by, by the hour
1: yeah we're, we're definitely listed as one of the crises areas uh, and usually in during in, in like um, countries with crisis you will actually find a trend that international or global players usually are not focused on these you find them exiting and this is the opportunity for local players to actually be making a name for themselves and there's always I'm a very big believer in the, all of the challenges, except security. <laughs> this is my biggest uh, fear, exactly. As long as it's a, um, we have a minimum security, then there is a lot of um, potential for innovation,
0: basically. Hopefully, we will go to the other side of, of the mm-hmm. river safely. Okay, Yusuf, you're also a woman advocate, and this is the part that I love. You are the president of the Lebanese League of uh, Women in Business. Tell us about your role and how does women play a big role in in business success?
1: So, um, as I said, Lebanese League for Women in Business is an NGO. It supports women in business, basically. And I joined it in 2016 as a member. Uh, For several years, I found a lot of support from the NGO. What I mean by support was... Um, whenever there is an opportunity, a speaking opportunity, for example, the NGO would put me on the, for, on the forefront. They would push me out of comfort zones. They would push me into the spotlight to talk about the business. It really helped in uh, securing investments, et cetera. And from that experience, I realized that having the right support network around us, whether it is a woman or a man, is very um, important, especially for startups, for small businesses, etc. And in two thousand, around a year ago, um, I was elected the uh, the current president, and this has helped me a lot, or it has given me the opportunity to basically give back to the community that has helped me and. Um, Uh, Today, I work closely with um, a very passionate team. We work with basically women in rural areas, for example, to support them with upskilling, to help them build their own businesses. Um, We work on a scale. Basically, we have um, operational scale and we also work on um, policy scale. So we're working on projects in terms of women on board, for example. So we're trying to push for policies that advocate women quotas, company boards, representation in the public sector. I'm a very big believer that women in leadership positions is important. It's important to have the right representation there. So even though I'm a woman advocate, it doesn't mean that we're advocating for purely women. However, just the right representation, because it has been proven that having women in leadership positions always leads to, when there's the right mix, basically, it is always more productive and more effective than having uh, no representation of women. Uh,
0: indeed, indeed. And I love the, the message that you gave. Uh, I just want to thank, uh, again, uh, I think Dr. Uh, Nader for his message. I'll, I'll definitely reach out with you and then we'll work it out from there. Uh, I have a message also from our YouTube. We have uh, just a salute from uh, iQuad team that uh, they salute you, sir. The, the, they love seeing you on this on this platform. Zena has a question about data governance. I think that's a bit tough question. Also, how are you, how, how are you handling data? How private? How is the private data of final customer protected and and handled?
1: So basically, we don't share any of the, we don't share data at all. We even the analysis that we do is always um, it does not involve names, uh, addresses, phone numbers, etc. etc. and Actually, now that we are, we've recently acquired a stake in a company in Cyprus, in the last mile company in Cyprus, and now we're more or less part of where um, we are part of the EU. So the EU regulations, which are the most stringent in terms of data privacy, we're now starting to um, understand better and understand more the uh, different criteria that we have to be, uh, respecting, so this is definitely something that we are now more and more uh, understanding and working on.
0: Yeah, uh, I think GDPR will hit you hard yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of uh, changes to yes. from process to actually it's more on the processing and the way you do business and uh, it's a it's a long term. Uh, yeah, let me go for again for another question on related to. Uh, the woman part, which is related to women in tech initiatives or uh, the role of uh, that woman in tech, why it is important uh, and uh, what do you think it gives back and why do we need such initiatives?
1: Look, again, I I always say that the role of women in tech is the same as the role of men in tech. What is important for me when we talk about this is actually just exposing more and more girls from the younger ages to uh, technology to the different opportunities or in the different industries that they can be part of, encouraging them to join that, to join them just not because I honestly when when we talk about the you know, I, I always get this question and basically it is the same role the men and the women have. What is needed is that in certain environments and in certain areas to actually have more encouragement, not just for girls to be studying this field, but actually to be working in it. And uh, in order to be doing that, we have to be looking at the different work policies that are uh, found in companies to ensure that companies are properly recruiting, retaining and promoting women uh, in their environments, whether it is in tech or non-tech basically. And that is something we're currently working on with the IFC uh, at Wakilni, where we're actually updating our current policies. They are uh, playing the um, consulting role for us Looking at the different policies that we have in order to ensure that we are offering equal opportunity on our team.
0: Yes, I have a question related to IFC. I'll, I'll pop it up later, and maybe related to uh, to grants in general. And hopefully, you know, you can share some of the things. Uh, I agree on you with, with you on the on the women in tech, but uh, I think it's it's a crucial. Uh, point to make women intact, tech not just because they are equal. We understand from my point of view we are all equal, and this is where I, I try to support everybody. But maybe uh, that part is that let the some of the women understand that they are uh, they can put their voice forward. They can be participating in any event, same as any other person. Uh, because you know we've seen in the cybersecurity space we have a lack of. Uh, Talents, for example, in a digital uh, consultancy or in the systems or anything related to technology, we're always seeing, you know, uh, the percentage is less than 10%, especially when it goes to uh, in the tech uh, world. And then this is where we need talents. For example, Europe needs, only Europe, more than a million cybersecurity professionals. Uh,
1: this is where, this it's a small nuance, basically. I don't think it's the woman's appetite to this. Yeah. And you'll see basically, um, so the appetite to go into these fields is definitely less in the more rural areas or in the areas that where you find the general population has a lower level of education. However, when you're talking about more of the cities, et cetera, you'll find that a lot of women are actually going to study these fields and they are interested in them. The problem becomes ensuring that we are offering that the workplaces that they are joining have the proper policies to retain and promote them, basically, to offer them these equal opportunities. So I don't think it is the women that require more enthusiasm. I think actually it is the other way around. It is the work environments that need to be really uh, offering the right places, you know, offering the right policies, maybe the maternal one, maybe ensuring proper promotions, etc. This is what I feel is actually uh, missing, basically.
0: Yeah, okay. it depends where you are. It depends the solution, yeah. the scenarios, uh, indeed. But I guess, yes, this is one of the main thing that I think you are working on is to change companies, also to act on this and then try to be more uh, inclusive uh, on, on okay. that product. Uh, and this is where, you know, today, if we look at all of the companies, if they involve such a thing, uh, you know, that will make miracles throughout the next, for the for the youth and for the next generation, uh, and then we do need that education also, not just, you know, on the society, not just on our shows or in whatever we talk about. Or uh, we need it all over, try to uh, be ambassadors uh, all over uh, trying to talk about this. So we have a question also from uh, Desiree. Hi, Desiree. Welcome. You are While you were launching this new business model, how can you describe the work environment in terms of providing support or raising obstacles?
1: This is, again, I think it touches on the human element, on the human part. And um, the human element has always been extremely important for us, very vital, uh, even before the crisis. And I think the amount of effort or the investment that we put in human capital, uh, really, um, it's proved its importance during the times of crisis. Today, we have a very important role, I believe, in uh, offering the right work environment. So I always say that in Atwa Kilni, we are trying to create the environment, the culture that we want to see in the country. So we try to do we try to be the kind of environment we would like to see around us, basically. So, for example, we have whether it starts from the basics of the basic salaries of the benefits that we that we um, that we offer. We reviewed those from the start of the different obstacles. But then we also so we've done a lot of uh, work in terms of um, offering the right support. We offer, for example. Uh, mental support, uh, or emotional, basically, uh, support, free of charge. There are a lot of programs that we are doing in order to ensure that our employees, their well-being, in order to, I say that there are two kinds of people that stay in in Lebanon today, those that cannot leave, and those who have a crazy love for the country. And we want to make sure that we are basically maintaining the team that we have.
0: I'm gonna ask a question related to grants, related to you know supporting companies and maybe supporting also the digital journey that you embarked on. Uh, do you mind telling us from different perspective sure. how they can tap on?
1: Sure. So again, we, we don't have the typical story. So we didn't have a, a technology idea or a technology or um, a, a product that we were able to go and pitch to an accelerator program. And then it was the opposite, um, the other way around. Uh, So along the way, what uh, the different approaches that we had, we needed to raise money along the way, basically. And we bootstrapped basically for a long time from the uh, first company that we had established. We took out a lot of personal loans, etc. It's not the typical story. However, as we were growing, we started uh, joining all kinds of competitions. So whatever competition we saw ahead of us. Uh, we would join and um, even if it was not monetary, even if the award reward was not monetary. So, for example, we, I remember in 2016, we won the Uber Pitch um, a competition that allowed us, it covered our expenses to uh, exhibit in, um, um, in one of the exhibitions in Dubai that gave us a lot of uh, visibility. It also gave us a lot of visibility over local media, um, um, TV channels, and that brought us a lot of business also. And then along the way, we, um, for me, the the favorite kind of funding that uh, we've depended on was um, a lot of angel investments. So we didn't go through the, the typical VC um, uh, process. We have we were uh, lucky in being uh, connected to several angel investors that shared our vision basically shared our values they believed in the business that we are doing and their support helped us uh, on the journey one of these angel investors was actually so it was around the time that we had decided to build our own technology and we didn't have the fund in order to do that so the way we did it was we looked at all the development companies that were present um, uh, around Uh, i got to know each founder i wanted to make sure that uh, i liked the person that i'd be i'd be working with and I, we also checked who would be interested in uh, versus building our platform in equity in the company or in shares. And that was actually how we built the first uh, uh, the first version of the platform. So it was an investment um, through them building the platform versus shares in the company. And that was extremely helpful. It was a milestone for us. And along the way, we also um, uh, got funding from several other angel investors. But also um, we... Uh, never skip a chance whenever we see any grant out there, any program that is offering grants, we always apply. In 2020, we were lucky to get approvals for two grants, one from Leap that um, helped us greatly in the expansion. So it was around the time of e-commerce and we needed to, uh, sorry, around the time of COVID and we needed to do changes to our uh, warehouse. Basically we needed to expand the warehouse. We needed to change the setup. We needed to add features to the platform and the grant that they offered us, helped us do that. And we also got a grant from the European Bank for uh, Reconstruction and Development, EBRD. They also helped us in building what we call our innovative HR division. So whenever we see any opportunity for grants, we always apply to them. We've, we uh, it, they've been extremely beneficial for us.
0: Yes, great, great. A uh, lot of uh, you know tips here and there were uh, appreciated on this. So I'll be taking your uh, questions uh, live from now. So if you have any question, uh, do benefit from <laughs> you, sir. We have her for another uh, seven eight minutes. I know, uh, you know, uh, you're busy after that and uh, we want to thank you for being with us uh, on this occasion and then uh, sharing with us your leadership and your... Uh, thank you for having uh, me. Yeah. So, guys, if you have any questions, either pop it up or uh, open the mic and we will take it live. Let me do meanwhile, check on uh, LinkedIn or... Okay. Okay. We have a question from YouTube from Sari. Lakese, if you were to start again, <laughs> where would you like to be based? Which country and why? That's a tough question, no?
1: Uh Lebanon. I know it sounds cliche and naive and everything, but had it not been that I would have packed and went uh before. It's uh we're born here. This is our country. When we ask for change, we have to be patient enough for it. We have to be part of this uh, uh, change, no matter how difficult it is. We were born here for a reason. As long as I'm Lebanese, this is the, the, the... I feel we have a responsibility towards the country, towards those that we are able to serve also. There's a lot of um, personal... What, what, what is the word? Um, you see a lot of people going to countries in crisis, to get satisfaction out of doing something beneficial and helpful and they feel they are adding value and impact to the world they they are in. Well, we are Lebanese and (laughs) Lebanon is in need and it is a place if we are able to make impact in it, then it is in its own weird way a blessing. Yeah, Uh,
0: well, I was in a talk uh, last week, Thursday, with AUB competition president, the president challenge. And then we uh, we talked about this in our uh, fireside chat related to innovation that we have the innovation we have the people we have the talent we have everything related to it we just need the spirit and then maybe uh, not maybe start from here do the experiments here test it fail it scale it uh, you can work a beautiful model in lebanon and You know, stay here and try to uh, figure it out. Uh, Welcome, Eddie, for that comment. Yeah, We'll be having a lot of uh, future uh, sessions also. And then we will, uh, lovely to have a last question if you want, if anybody wants to take the mic. Today's audience is not opening the mic usually, you know, they flood. (laughs) So if anybody wants to take the mic for the last question, yeah, I don't agree on that. We need the spirit. We need the infrastructure. This is, of course, definitely uh, Noor. And I know that you have faced a lot. And uh, Noor, you're also, uh, you know, a leader in your space trying to help the Lebanese uh, and Lebanese companies uh, into that space space but we do need infrastructure i'm not saying no but we can start what we can start with what we have uh, i think it's just barely enough to get us uh, started you we were doing amazing and what we don't have <laughs> or what what or, or even if the service is bad we're still doing amazing with it so uh i understand uh, your your comment if you have i mean last word uh, you said also before we we end the the episode
1: I want to thank you very much. Uh, I also want to thank you for highlighting this topic, and I want to thank everyone that has stayed this far to listen to the conversation. Thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, th- thank you. I'm just going to say, uh, if you have one last question before we close within the one minute, uh, otherwise, I will th- thank my guest. Uh, we have uh, from another way to go user. It's private. I don't, uh, Something uh, clicked. Uh, it was great. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah, I want to welcome Sandy. <coughs> Sandy today joined us for the first time in the team of uh, DX Talks. So, uh, thank you, Sandy, for joining. And hopefully, we will grow all together also because we're, we're growing in a, in, a, in a big scale. And uh, we do need all the support uh, left and right also <laughs> uh, for that. So, uh, don't forget uh, to join the WhatsApp group the, for uh, to stay updated. With that, it seems nobody wants to ask a question. Thank you, Yusir. I really appreciate it and appreciate your time, giving us your time. And definitely, we will be meeting more and discussing more future uh, endeavors and uh, opportunities. Uh, thank you again, Yusir. And thank you. have a good week ahead. And good luck with uh, all of your efforts and scaling whatever you do. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye
1: bye. Bye.